Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast, the space where we explore common misunderstandings of how life works, allowing us to gain new perspectives on health, wealth, relationships, and much more. Life doesn't have to be hard work. It can be a flowing collection of experiences if we learn some simple truths about how our experience is created. Through this understanding, we realize that at a fundamental level, we are all already whole and perfect. Okay, we are live. Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast. Pete, nice to see you. Nice to see you, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and welcome back to everyone listening. You know, it's good to be doing another podcast. It's been a while since some have been recorded. And these episodes are going to be um, slightly different. People sharing their personal experience of what the first um, 39 episodes of the podcast have been about, the teachings that have been understood and learned by people that have been life-changing. You know, the, the next part of the podcast is going to be people's personal stories. And they're going to be in the format of roughly... 10 minutes about what it was like, 10 minutes about what happened, and 10 minutes about what life is like now, the impact that the seeing of the inside out nature, that the discovery of true nature has had on people's people's life. So Pete, I'm gonna start, you know, we're gonna hand this over to you. And, and for the first 10 minutes, I'd love just to hear about uh, what your life was like, you know, before you found this understanding, before you, um, before anything happened, like you're in your struggles, you know, what, what was life like then? Oh, mate. Wow. Where to begin? Um, yeah, it was ugh, obviously 25 years of, um, addiction to uh, cocaine and drink. Um, yeah, it wasn't fun. It was just a horror story. It was torture. It was hard work as well, more than anything. Um, it was tiring. It was exhausting. It was exhausting. Um, the constant feelings of feeling worthless. You know, why am I doing this? Why am I stuck here? Um, you know, tried AA and all that sort of stuff. Nothing, nothing's worked. No, nothing worked for me. Yeah. Um, but it was waking up. <laughs> Not even waking up. Before I literally opened my eyes, I'd have the voices in my head arguing. Right, you're not going to dream. Yeah, you are. And it was just like, I was a third world. It was just listening to these two voices constantly nagging me. You know, I argue. Um, typical day for me, you know, going to work, eight o'clock-ish, half seven, eight. And literally the thoughts would just be there all day and I'd be arguing. Um, you know, listen to them argue. But I'd be sitting there thinking, no, I'm going to be strong, I'm not going to have a drink today, you know. But then come later in the afternoon, I'd be so exhausted by listening to this going on the whole, the whole day. I'd be like, you know what? I need to get out. I need to drink. And yeah, it, it was just pure torture. <sighs> I don't, there's no other word for it. There really isn't. It was hell. Family life suffered. Um, ended up getting a divorce in 2016 because the wife couldn't put up you know, with it. So I've tried so many times to give it up. I'd go a day, two days without a drink. And then good, I didn't know it was ego at the time, but then good old ego was like, yeah, come on, you deserve a drink now because you've done two days. Well done. Well done, you. Yeah. So, you know, let's go and have a drink. Um, and it literally was just a vicious circle. What was, 
what was life like before drugs and alcohol like what was it like kind of being you growing up you know and, and what like when you found drugs you know the or alcohol the first time you know like what was that kind of was that like an escape from something or was that you know no um it's, it's quite funny because in the book i, I you know I, i've written yeah it goes into my childhood being beaten and raped as a kid and all that but none of that actually affected me on drinking drugs it innocently started because i was painting and decorating and the more hours i did the more money i earned so mm -hmm. i started taking speed um never had it before but yeah it was brilliant you know i could stay awake literally 24 hours a day and just paint and, yeah. and earn money but i was finding obviously at night i couldn't shut down so i turned to tenants four cans of strong beer you know i think it's like nine percent or something like that yeah to try and comatize myself um so it it, it was innocent you know I was, I was trying to make a living trying to make some money for the family because obviously we just had a kid and all that sort of stuff um but i didn't see what was happening because it was creeping up that on the days i was taking off you know well it actually got to the point where i'll be taking days off to try and recover but on those days off i'd actually be drinking as well yeah uh, and i just didn't see it I was totally blind to it so you know it it was more of, of a tool to begin with then it became habit and then finally it was just a full-on blown addiction which i didn't see yeah i didn't see it until until it was too late and, and as i say you know i went to aa that that just didn't work I, I, yeah it's not for me and i just didn't know what to do i was like well this is me now you know, I'm this label, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a user. Um, so yeah, suck it up and let's just carry on. So I didn't know what else to do, I really didn't. Um, I was at my wit's end. And you, like when you were, what, what age were you when the, like when you kind of was doing the painting and decorating and? It was early, early 20s, I suppose. Um, I got into, the beginnings of you know drinking drugs yeah um, early 20s um and again as i say it was innocent but I, I didn't see how much i was spending a week on the drugs until obviously i got me paid back and then going out to pay me dealer and then go well that's <laughs> all I got left yeah. um end up losing the house over it and all that sort of stuff um yeah i don't know see, see the speed I remember we, we lost our house and I had to move into my dad's. So I, I converted his garage into like a granny annex. So mm -hmm. there's me, Mrs. and our daughter. Um, and I just woke up one morning. I thought I said, I'm not doing speed. So the speed, I'm not on the head, but the drink that had a grip then, but I didn't see that. I just thought, you know, it's normal. I grew up around drink. Everyone on a Wednesday, you know, shut up shop early on a Wednesday and went down the pub. So it was a done thing. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, you know, everyone after work's like, oh, I'm going to have a couple of pints or a glass of wine or something. So I just didn't see the harm in it. I really didn't at the time. Um, yeah, until later in later years. Um, had you like, um, had you done other things to escape when you were younger before you found alcohol? Are you just kind of reflecting back? It just seemed quite normal. Yeah, no, nothing else at all. No. You know, I used to, I used to be into my cars and that when I was a teenager. You know, I used to be in the car scene and stuff, and go to shows and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, never done drugs or anything like that. Yeah, literally just 
it was the pressure of working. And yeah. uh, and the first time I tried speed, literally, I was up for three days. And I yeah. thought, wow, this is mental. This is magic. I can earn loads of money on this. Yeah. Uh, and I did. I did for a good you know, few months. Um, and then I started taking time off all this because I was completely worn out. I was completely shattered. Yeah. Um, but even on the days off, though, I'd wake up, you know, Saturday morning for sake like eight o'clock in the morning. And the first thing I'd do is have a beer. No, no drugs or anything, but it would start with a beer. Yeah. And that would be me throughout the day just drinking. Because, yeah, it's my day off after all, so <laughs> going to enjoy it. All innocent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was later in life, though, that's when things turned. Yeah, lead, lead, lead us up to that, like, the the what what do you call like the worst point for you you know it's kind of like where you know what 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 was it like towards that time and how did it get progressively worse and what was the lowest point for you there God, there's so many you know it's so hard um over the years you know obviously moved out out of my father's we got our own house again um i was working as a van driver i became a manager of the place you know, I've always been a go-getter. Any job I had, I had to be a manager of some sort. Don't know why, it was just inbred in me. Um, so I was, I've always been successful in that sort of arena. But then after work, four cans of beer. And then because the beer wasn't having enough effect, um, and again, I wasn't doing drugs at that time. I'd stop the drugs anyway. Um, because the beer wasn't doing enough effect, then I moved on to brandy. And I thought, well, yeah, it's a gentleman's drink, isn't it? It's a posh drink, so yeah, it's a brandy. As the years progressed, you know, the brandy, then it was red wine and sherry mixed, and yeah, wow. But it was a bottle of brandy a night. Yeah. Towards towards the end, I was doing a litre and a half of vodka a day. Um, and the cocaine, I honestly can't remember where that came in. It was, it's always in the building trade anyway, that sort of stuff. Um, I can't even remember the first time I tried it or anything. Mm. Um, but it was just something that was there. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why I took cocaine. It just took a grip of me as well, though. The two things went together, you know, a bit like, you know, after, after a dinner, you have a cigarette sort of thing if you're a smoker. <laughs> and, you know, having a drink, I don't know, I'll do a line of coke. Um, but yeah, the, the worst years, obviously I'm skipping a lot of years and to be fair, I can't remember a lot of years yeah. because a lot of it, I spent blacked out when I say blacked out, I've been passed out. I mean, literally you just can't take anything in. You can't remember anything. Yeah. I've got in trouble with the police. I've self-harmed and yeah, I've lost count of the things I've done. Um, but yeah, 2016 onwards, yeah, life just hit a new all time low. You know, the missus just had enough and said, that's it, you know, one of the wolves. Um, ended up moving to Essex with, with a woman down there. Um, and that actually helped because instead of drinking every day, <clears throat> I would drive back to my mum's in Milton Kings and drink once a week. Um, and that really helped. But then my ex could see the change in me and she gave me another chance. And that was great for a couple of months. And then it started creeping back in again, drinking daily, drinking at home. Um, and it got to the point that, you know, I wasn't allowed to drink at home, so I'd go around my mum's, 
And I was practically living around my mum's day in, day out, you know, after work, because I wanted a drink. Yeah. And I could never answer the question why. I could never go, oh, it's because of my childhood, or it's because of this. There was no defined answer. Um, yeah. Um, what was what was the, the end, but the, not necessarily the end, but like the lowest point of all that, you know? Like, where, where did it drive you to? Well, 2019, um, in uh, May 2019, I was around my mum's, it was a Sunday, um, and they always go down to Workman's Club um, on a Sunday. Um, you know, playing bingo and all that sort of stuff. And I've been doing the usual thing, drinking all day around my mum's vodka, not eating. And I was absolutely paralytic. Um, I remember standing up, looking in the mirror in her lounge and just having a conversation like, you're a waste of space. Just end it. So I did. I sat there, wrote suicide notes to the kids, you know, mum, dad and missus. Um, and where my mum uh, lives, less than a quarter of a mile up to the M1 motorway. So I walked up literally to the motorway, um, climbed over the railings on, on, you know, on a flyover on a bridge, um, stood down and, and for, I don't know, it, it sounds wrong, but for the first time ever, my mind actually went quiet. And I was like, I don't have to listen to you guys anymore. I don't have to listen to these voices anymore torturing me day in, day out. Because every day was groundhog day, as far as I was concerned. So I let go, um, not knowing there's a copper standing right behind me, only a young bloke. Um, and he gr literally grabbed me and threw me back over the railings. Yeah. Um, he, he held me in his arms for, I don't know, five, ten minutes. But I was crying, he was crying. Didn't say anything, which now having this understanding, you know, I know a lot deeper about that. But I was like, well, what, what can I do then? You know, you don't want me to die, so what am I going to do? You know, I don't know what else to do. I'll give up. Yeah. Um, and it, it wasn't the next day or anything. It was literally a few weeks later. I thought, what about a hypnotist? I was going to see a hypnotist. Yeah. Uh, so I went to see a hypnotist, uh, Don Griffiths, an um, amazing lady. Um, and first thing, I, I don't know, she, she didn't hypnotize me. She literally sat me down, told me I've got everything I need, and she gave me a copy of Sid's book, Second Chance. Um, she put me on to Second Chance and told me to, you know, go to his website, watch some videos. She gave me a couple of CDs and that as well, geez. And that night, um, I remember going home. I think I went back to my mum's, actually. I honestly can't remember. Uh, but literally started reading Second Chance, started listening to some of the videos, you know, his talks and that. And everything just started clicking. <laughs> I was just like, wow, really? <laughs> I spent all this time going through all this shit. Just yeah. to hear that, really. <laughs> what did you hear? What did you see in that? In that? In like? In those videos? What were some of the insights or the things that you that you stood out to you? The, the major thing, and it sounds so simple, um, but it it and it is, and I tell people that it is that simple. The major thing for me was I don't have to listen to those thoughts. I don't have to listen to those voices going, "Go on, go and have a drink." go and get some drugs, go and do a line, go and do this, go and do that. I didn't have to listen to that. Now, up until now, I've never really heard about ego, wisdom, or stuff like that. Um, and obviously that taught me that, you know, it was ego talking, you know, um, and wisdom is the quiet voice. And I was like, wow, I've heard those voices. That's what I listen to all the time. Yeah. Uh, and from that, it literally just showed me that don't listen to the loud voice. Listen 
for that little quiet voice, the one's always telling you it's not a good idea, but you still go ahead and do it anyway. Yeah. Um, and literally within two hours, everything started clicking. I was like, wow, yeah, that's it. That is it. That's the answer. And yeah, I, I gave up drink that day um, for, I think, five or six months. I gave drink up for um, until December time. Um, can, sorry, I just, can I just ask something, mate? So you gave up drink. Was that just because it no longer felt like a compulsion to do so? Like you weren't overwhelmed by your own state of mind? Or how? Like what, what made it so easy to give up whereas before you struggled? <laughs> It was literally like a light switch going on in my head, yeah. Or or somebody holding the torch and just going, "Well, just walk towards that light." It didn't make sense to carry on doing what I was doing. Yeah. Don't get me wrong; it wasn't easy. Literally, it wasn't. I, I did struggle for the first thirty three days. I can remember the thirty third day. I phoned my brother. And I said, "I'm thirty three days sober, no gear or nothing." So I pop over and we go on the piss. Yeah. Those were my exact words, and he was like, "Don't get a prep." And I was like, oh, if he hadn't said that, I would have. Yeah, yeah because I was still fighting that habitual thinking. You know, that yeah. was definitely still there. Um, it wasn't easy, um, but the understanding just, it was just like, it's not its not the done thing anymore. How can you go back there after seeing you have an option? What? Like... I think like for people listening, like what's the, what's the difference between like, I could just meet someone in the street and say, yeah, you don't, you don't have to listen to your thoughts. And they'd just look at me and go, okay, yeah, carry on. You know, it's kind of like, but oh, like, no. what, what, when you notice that, like, what do you think, how would you explain the difference between me just saying to you now, look, you don't need to listen to your thoughts and pretending you'd never heard this stuff before. And what you thought when you noticed, I don't have to listen to my thoughts. Like, how do you kind of discern the difference between those two things? I, th I think really it was a spirit. My understanding of it now is a spiritual insight. Um, yeah. I had years of people trying to tell me not to do it. As you can appreciate, you know, we've all been there, but it's not as easy as that. You've got to see it for yourself. Um, but, yeah, can you repeat that question? Yeah, it's like, you know, like someone, you, it, when you're in the middle of it, right, and it's kind of like someone would say to you, hey, you're not your thought. You don't have to listen to your thoughts, you know, and you just think, what on earth are they talking about? It just kind of means nothing to you, right? But in that moment when you heard it, you know, it's kind of like when you listen to Sid's videos or the mm. TV, whatever yeah. you were given, it hit you in a, seems like, what this is what I think I'm hearing, seems like it hit you in a deeper place to the point where it actually made sense and you kind of saw something beyond that constant, incessant thinking that you'd had like how do you like that how do you describe that hearing it from a different place you know yeah well the only way i can explain that is literally my consciousness woke up it went to a higher level of you know because when you're stuck and you're thinking you're stuck and you're thinking you can't see a way out regardless of what it is whether it's drink drugs or anything anything in life yeah. you know whether you're worrying about the rent and stuff like that you're stuck and you're focused on this one thing yeah but when you get a higher level of consciousness and, and that's what happened. It literally just lifted me to a level of conscious like, you don't need to do that. It doesn't make sense to keep doing that any longer now. Yeah. Now, you do have this choice. And it was literally like I, I just woke up. I had purely just woken up. 
Um, and that feeling, though, is <laughs> yeah. I just wish everyone in the world could wake up to whatever they're suffering with, because that feeling is just something else. Yeah, when you get that high level of consciousness and you can just see it for what it is, that it is just thought. Wow, that breaks down so many barriers, and it's not just you know the drink and the drugs that stops. My whole life has changed, and I mean every single little aspect, which obviously we'll get onto in a little while. But yeah. Was there like a feeling, an emotional uh, kind of like feeling state, a relaxing of the body or what? I mean, how do you experience it when all of a sudden you kind of feel free of that of that noise that you've been listening to and acting on for so long? I think the first emotion I, I experienced, the first feeling, um, was relief. Uh, yeah. It's like, oh, wow, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it was just like, uh, I've been searching literally for 25, well, not 25 years, obviously, but, you know, 15, 16 years or whatever, I've been searching for the answer to get off of this. And that's it. Thanks. Appreciate that. You know, I've always said, you know, since coming across this, I understand, Christ, we should be given a handbook of birth or something, because, <laughs> you know, it will save you a lot of grief. Um, but, yeah, just, just waking up. Yeah. Literally just waking up. Did you have like um, doubts? Were there moments, particularly when you were struggling, I guess, for the first that, that thirty day period or something? Did you have doubts that like that it would come back, that you would kind of like, or did you kind of have a more of a, a knowing? Like, how was that? You know, I no, I, I knew, I knew it wouldn't come back, but I didn't know if I was strong enough myself. You know, I, this is hard to explain. With the understanding, I know if I follow the understanding, then I'm on the right path and that's it. But ego and habitual thinking will always try and trip you up and catch you and take you back, 100%. Um, as I say, I, I was sober up until Christmas 2019. I lost a family member, and that, I was like, Do you know what, I'm having a drink. And I did. Um, and I actually done that all the way through August, 20, up to August 2020. Yeah, um, I just carried on drinking because um, that really impacted me. You know, losing that family member and it, the principles and everything I, I threw out the window. Um, but looking back on it now, I, I know I was letting the ego just take over. Yeah. Um, maybe I wasn't ready to give it all up. I don't. I you know it's a hard one to explain. Yeah. Um, I kept reaching out to Mama Jay, you know, Jacqueline Hollows, yeah. um, and asking for help. I only ever done it when I was drunk, like, like we would do. And she, she'd always say to me, phone me in the morning, phone me in the morning, promise me you phone me in the morning. Yeah. I never did. Yeah. You know, I was too proud to do that in the morning. <laughs> you know, no, I'll be all right. But no. Um, and then my partner came over, um, again, over to my mum's, and she said, um, you know, your son's in a really bad place because where you've gone to again it was a drink. Yeah. I wasn't doing drugs, it was drink. And um, I was like, that's it, I'm done. I know the principles, I know I've got this on my side, that's it. And I did, I, I snapped straight back out of it. Um, and I was, I was 22 days sober, and Mama Jay messaged me just saying she's doing this virtual impact program. Do you want to come on it? Um, and since then, yeah, it's just carried on from there. Yeah, I haven't looked back. 
So what is that like now, like from that day, you know, kind of when you joined that program or from that moment when you heard the news about your son, you know, what has life been like like, since then? It's been up and down, not um, through the addiction side, but I mean, different emotions because I'm experiencing emotions and feelings that I've never felt before because I was always drunk. So, you know, I only ever experienced one feeling before. Um, and I suppose you could say that was numbness. Um, every time I got stressed, my answer to go and have a drink. Yeah. You know, even if I was happy, that was an excuse to go and have a drink. Well, I've had a really good day. I'm going to go and have a drink. There was no defining thing to say why I was drinking. Um, but life now, well, <sighs> yeah, it's just magical. But uh, yeah, I, like everyone, I still get caught up in, in my head and, and everything. But I know now, just to sit back, <laughs> you know, I catch myself and go, yeah, right, you're getting caught up now. Just give yourself five, ten minutes. Go for a walk. Drive, drive. My favourite thing, as you know, I'm into cars. So the best thing I do is jump in the car, go for a drive for half hour. That's it. As soon as you let those thoughts just rest, yeah, they pass. Yeah, it all passes. Um, and that's the what that's the biggest thing principles has taught me about our thoughts um, and how we think and how we, we, we create thoughts from the outside world. You know, we look on the outside world and think it's that what's causing all the issues. Well, it's not. You know, it's from the inside, as we know. Um, but, yeah, but no, I, life now is magic. My kids are amazing. My relationship with uh, my partner is amazing. More importantly, my business is amazing. My customers are amazing. You know, everybody can see so much difference in me. Uh, even my customers, they come in, they come in, you know, in, into my business and and say, "Wow, what's happened? You know, you're different." Uh, and I don't hold back. I tell them the whole story of addiction. And in fact, I had a conversation with a customer today, and they were gobsmacked. Like, we never knew. I was all you wouldn't. I was labelling it. I was a functioning alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, in your eyes, you you couldn't see it. You didn't know what's going on behind closed doors. Um, everything's changed, man. Absolutely everything. I found. I think the most important thing I found for myself was compassion and love for myself. Mm-hmm. I've never, ever had that. Yeah. How could I have that when I was a waste of space, a drunk, a druggy, whatever you want to put, whatever label you want to put on, and all I wanted to do was cut myself and you know, try and kill myself. I've got so much time and compassion and love for myself now, which is something that blokes don't normally say. But I'm proud to say, I'll put it, I'll post on Facebook. You've probably seen my post. I post on Facebook all the time, you know, about loving the, everyone and that. Because it is. It's completely changed me. Completely changed me. Yeah. I, I wish you could bottle this stuff up and just, you know, sell it to people. <laughs> just take a sip of that and that's it, you're done. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. It, 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 you know, I've got a, a few clients I work with and that, and... The first thing they say, well, it can't be that simple. It is. It really is, though. Yeah. Once you have your own insight, it starts making sense to you. Yeah. You, you, you can't give somebody an insight. You have to share, you know, share our stories like I am now in the hope that somebody can hear something and hopefully they might get an insight. Um, but, yeah, that feeling is, yeah. It's amazing. When you see somebody have an insight, that is the best feeling in the world, better than any drug I've ever had or any drink. Yeah. 
you say about having uh, compassion for yourself, you know, and I agree with you. I think it's it's um, societal conditioning that kind of men don't, you know, like have a soft side that they're just providers, and you know, like yeah. it's just toxic masculinity that's kind of conditioned into male men. And that's why male suicide is the biggest killer of men, you know. But like, how would you kind of? describe that like have you like what challenges since you've really seen what you've seen where your life has changed how have you dealt with challenges differently you know how has it impacted you in your way with yourself you know in dealing dealing with challenges in life because before right you would just turn to alcohol it was always the obvious thing to do as a way of numbing yourself but yeah. like now like how is it different yeah it's completely different yeah I mean, in the early days i'd still get worked up and that but i used to say yeah, I'd say to Mama Jay, oh, in the old days, I'd go and have a drink now. I didn't notice I was doing that. Um, but I I knew that I'd have to step back. Yeah, you know, I think my lowest point, I, I was stuck in a really, you know, dark place for like two weeks. And I thought, I'm never going to snap out of this. Mm. But eventually it did start, you know, the thoughts started to subside. And I can't remember what the thoughts were, I think, to be honest. Um, yeah, as I said before, you know, there are ups and downs, but, yeah, life's just, I don't know. You know, I, I belong to a car club. Um, and as I say, I, I put stuff on Facebook all the time. And I've had a couple of people in the car club come up to me and go, do you know what, your posts really lift me every morning when I read that. Yeah. And yeah, and these are fully grown men <laughs> as well. Yeah. Because we're not shy or embarrassed to show our feelings anymore. You know, this is the way the world is going now. We don't have to be the masculine type and the go-getters and, you know, go and hunt the food and all that. You know, within day we're humans. You know, we're all the same. We've all got love and we've all got compassion. Um, <laughs> I get up at about three every morning, half three most days. I sit downstairs on the sofa with a cup of tea. Um, sometimes I do a bit of reading, you know, Sid's books or whatever. Um, but most times I just sit there and be with myself. And I actually give gratitude to myself for what I'm doing. You know, I'm trying my hardest to help anyone who wants it. Um, but more importantly, I give gratitude for myself. One, for going through everything I did, because now I'm of um, assistance. You know, I can actually help somebody, and that, to me, is so valuable. But two, I'm just, yeah, I'm just grateful for, you know, who I am. I never knew who I was before. Now I do, you know. And to be honest, I think I'm just love. <laughs> I got moaned at today, actually, by, by a customer thing. You're too loved up. Well, that's me, though. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be too loved up. Wow. Well, it's bringing us towards the end, you know, and it's kind of like on reflection for me, you know, it's such a profound change, you know. I know we've only had 30 minutes to talk about it, but just seeing kind of the challenges and the struggles and what you had and then just seeing, you know, the the, the contrast, you know, it's good for mm. people to see that polarity, you know, it's kind of like going from one extreme of being um, completely incapable to cope with life without alcohol, you know, and then going to this completely opposite where just feeling so much love towards the world and, f and compassion for yourself, you know, it's kind of like, it's such a beautiful thing to see from, from such something that you said that people say to you looks too simple, you know, it's kind of like, that can't be the answer because we really think it's such a complicated thing, alcoholism or addiction, where we have to go through all these psychological processes in order to have these small incremental changes, you know, and we have to constantly put in effort, but actually just the seeing, you know, of that, 
that thing about thought and about yourself, you know, it's kind of like makes mm -hmm. such a profound difference to, to what you can witness here, you know, is, is how your life is now. Yeah. Yeah. It's magical. I can remember, you know, when the first day I went to see that hypnosis, uh, that hypnotherapist, sorry, Don, and she said to me, you've got all the answers inside. I remember distinctly saying to her, how can I have the answers? I'm the problem. Yeah. We always look outside for the answer. Yeah. You know, nobody has ever told us, look inside. You have the answer. You've just got to listen to that answer. Wait for that answer to come to you. You've got it. No matter what challenges you face in life, there's always an answer. If you're quiet enough, you'll hear it. Yeah. Don't listen to that loud voice. It's the loud one that always gets us in trouble. <laughs> I think that's a beautiful place to end, you know, to leave people to reflect on that point, you know, and... Um, uh, thank you so much for doing this with me. And is there anything, any last words you want to share with anyone? No, just love and peace for everyone. Yeah. I've got a book coming out in January, so I'm trying to give it away as much as possible. Awesome. <laughs> What's the name of it? Uh, Tortured Soul. Tortured Soul, that's a cool name. Yeah. It is going to be available on Amazon, but yeah, and all proceeds are going to the 3PGC. Awesome. So, so yeah. All right, cool. Thank Keep you, Pete. Thank you.